Hi, welcome to the Trauma Thrivers podcast. Delighted to have you with us. I'm Lula Bentz, your host, a psychotherapist, a trauma expert, and a survivor myself. Lovely to have you with us. The Trauma Thrivers podcast is for anybody who has been through any sort of developmental trauma or who has complex PTSD. This podcast aims to help educate, inspire and support those of us that are on a trauma healing journey. We've got stories, steps and various solutions to trauma to help you heal. If you'd like more information or tips or tools or strategies, please go to traumathrivers.com. You can also find this podcast on my YouTube channel, Lula Bent's Trauma Thrivers. If you'd like to join our community of thrivers, please find us on Facebook under Trauma Thrivers. I'm delighted, absolutely delighted to introduce our guest tonight, one of whom I've known for quite some time, Dr. Wayne Campers and Laura, his wife for less time, but I'm just thankful of you both coming here and speaking to the audience and talking to us about what you're up to and chronic pain and trauma. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Lou. Oh, thanks, Lou. Thanks, thanks for having us on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, delighted. Absolutely delighted. And just for some of you thrivers that are, are watching, uh, Wayne and I have worked together for many years um, and I'll let him explain a bit more about he, what he does. But I would say he's, I'm going to embarrass you, Wayne, but he, he's, he's got to be my favourite psychiatrist that I've <laughs> ever work and, worked with ever. So, yeah, the wow. highest recommended ever. So there you go. Oh, that's crazy indeed. Thank it you. Really oh. So where should we start? Should we start a bit with, would you mind introducing yourselves just a little bit and, and what you do and why you're here? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm, I'm Wayne Campers. Um, I'm a consultant psychiatrist. I've been um, practicing medicine for over 30 years and I'm, uh, I'm based in, in London. Um, I have a Harley Street practice and I'm a consultant at the Priory Hospital in Roehampton. Obviously with lockdown, um, I have been working remotely, um, but I'm in the process now of, of um, doing a hybrid return to London. Um, and I, um, I, the, one of the reasons why we wanted to come onto this program uh, with Lou is, and I've worked with Lou for a very, very long time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to return the praise. Lou is without a shadow of a doubt the best trauma therapist I've ever met. Oh. And um, I sent all of my clients to her because I trust her and, and I know that all of my clients are in safe hands. And so we've got a very good working relationship in respect yeah. of that. Um, one of the things that, that has always interested me is the whole mind-body connection, because I don't think this is something that is addressed well uh, in Western medicine. I think Western medicine is excellent in terms of focusing on aspects of the body, you know, surgical procedures, all of the, the exact, it's a very exact science. Psychiatrists are uh, uh, purportedly good at focusing on the mind, but there's a huge uh, gap, and that is the connection between the body and the mind, because everything is connected. And if we look yeah. at if we look at Eastern medicine and see how good they are at that and Western medicine, how good they are at certain things, I think these two cultures need to meet and marry each other because until they do, there's always going to be the problem that we have at the moment. And the problem we have at the moment is that there is the commonest um, presentation of GP practices are medically unexplained symptoms yeah. and, and pain for which there's no identifiable cause, okay? Um, and so this is where my interest really lies. And um, I myself suffered from pain um, about 16 years ago, very, very severe pain, um, which turned out to be uh, what we now know as neuroplastic pain. Um, and I, um, I cured myself uh, from that 
and the journey that I've had over the last 16 years, and Laura's been integral to this guy, because I'll, it's, it, it's interesting to hear from her perspective, yeah. um, you know, what thing, but at one stage, I mean, I had three, I had three of the top uh, neurosurgeons in London wanting to operate on me. I, I had back pain, okay? Back pain that came out of nowhere, wow. okay? And the problem is that if you if you do an MRI scan of anybody's back from the age of 19 upwards, you will see degenerative changes, almost like wrinkles and gray hair as you get older, but right from a young age, and people will then attribute whatever they see in terms of the degenerative change as the cause of the pain. Right. And very often they'll go down a treatment algorithm um, right up to surgery and actually their pain doesn't get better. I'll explain a bit later why. So I was at a stage where I was desperate. I literally was probably taking about 60 tablets a day to oh, try and God, help my you? pain. Um, and oh, even yeah. with that, I was only managing to sleep two hours a night. Oh, my pain oh. just got worse and worse and worse. I still had to work. I still oh. had to drive to work. I still had to run my practice. I still had to see clients. I, I mean, I was literally at, at the stage of myself, I, I don't know what to do anymore. I, 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 I've got no ideas. I've, I've, I'm out of ideas. I'm all, here. Out. Yeah. I'm all out of ideas. And I was definitely not having the surgery because there was something, there was something that told me that there was a mismatch between where my pain was yeah. and, and the symptoms I had. It didn't fit. Yeah. And because I was a doctor, I knew something wasn't right. So that's why I'll I'll, uh, I'll uh, hand you over to, yeah, to Laura. Thank Laura. you. I'm so, fascinated. I've got so yeah, many questions. I, know, I want to ask. I know, but just in a nutshell, I'll just tell you it from my perspective. So yeah. I'm Laura Campers. I'm a pain coach and a pain reprocessing therapist, and my interest is equal to Wayne's for the same reason that I saw Wayne go from being this strong, healthy, gym-going guy to an absolute shell of himself. Mm -hmm. And it came, as Wayne said, from nowhere. So when he was seeing these surgeons and they were recommending this really invasive, serious surgery, I had this nag in my mind, which was, well, why, why has this happened? Why should he suddenly go from being healthy to needing this like really terrible surgery? Then on the other hand, I had the thought of, well, where's this going to end? Is he going to end up disabled? Is he going to be able to not work? You know, where will this literally end? And we also had a young child at that stage as well. So Wayne was unable to play with him and pick him up and all the rest of it. I was desperate. My personality is one that when I have a problem, I have to find the answer. So back in the day, there wasn't Google as is now, but there were chat rooms. So I was going into these chat rooms and I was, you know, talking to people about back pain and people kept mentioning this amazing book. I'm a book fan. So I was like, well, if there's a book that can help, let me read the book. So I read the book and the book was by a doctor called um, John Sarno, who is the forefather of this mind body work. And in very simple terms, John Sarno said, and Wayne will explain this in more scientific detail, but the pain is caused by the brain, not the body. And it's all about repressed emotions and, and trauma and that kind of thing that creates the pain. Well, this was all news to me, but I soaked this book up like a sponge and then went to Wayne and said, I have the answer, Wayne, and it's in this book. And he obviously looked at me as if to say, are you mad? As if a book can help me. I, you know, I'm a psychiatrist, Laura. I think I'd know about this. And I was like, well, just read the book, Wayne. Please just read the book. And he read the book and he did what, he, what the book suggested. And he did a lot of work around it because he's very cognitively minded anyway. He, he really was able to, to grasp what all the concepts were, et cetera. And essentially he cured himself. So that was like the, it was like a miracle, Lou. I mean, that's, it literally was like a miracle. He came off all of his medication. He went back to doing all of the gym, everything he used to do. So that was why we are, well, why we, we um, became as interested in this as we, as we are. But this is, this is why we're passionate about it because we've seen how it transforms lives. Wow. And, and, and can I ask, Wayne, how long were you in, pain for and how long did it take you to find the book and find the healing and find the answer well it happened i mean uh, um it happened when my son our son nathaniel was um he was about 
um, 18 months yeah. old, and we went on a long flight to Cape Town. And back in those, well, even now, you can't buy a you can't buy a, a, a seat for anybody that's under the age of two. Okay, so he had to be on our laps, and he is a busy, busy boy. <laughs> and literally, it was a long haul flight, you know, um, and we were like 16 hours with him on our lap. And when I got to Cape Town, it's that's when I got this this pain in my back. So I thought it was that. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was completely ruined the whole. Anyway, came back to London, and I then went. It was a, it was a few years really because I did everything. I didn't just end up seeing the surgeons. Okay. I did absolutely everything that one could do for pain. I did, you know, maximini chiropractics, Pilates. You know, I, I saw acupuncturist. I did Reiki. I did you name it. I did the lot. Everything. Absolutely yeah. everything. Okay. And nothing helped, just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, and then I had all the investigations done, you know, and, and they all just, you know, but once a surgeon sees something on your on your scan, they'll say that's the cause. Yeah. I had three spinal epidurals. Okay. The first one lasted maybe a week. The second one lasted a couple of days. And the third one lasted until I got up as I walked out the hospital. <laughs> So it just shows you whatever they were giving me wasn't actually, uh, I, there was no structural problem. Because if there was a structural problem, you give a person epidural, it treats the structural problem. Yeah. And that was the problem is that there was no structural problem to treat. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that, and, and, and it was once I actually had read, read John Sarno's book. So John Sarno was an outcast in the medical world because he, he had known this for decades and decades and he was a, a, a doctor who worked in New York in an orthopedic clinic and he used to see all of these people come in with chronic pain who never got better and so he made this connection and he realized and, and he described certain personality types and he described um, you know that people had been um, you know had had trauma in their lives and and so he he then wrote this book and he's written quite a few books since and they were they were groundbreaking books i mean to be honest with you in my opinion the two greatest contributors to the world of psychiatry ever was freud and john sarno wow those two people for me are the geniuses because actually Freud identified this back in the day. It's just yeah. the, 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 the nomenclature he gave to it, we didn't really accept. And so this has been in psychiatric terminology for many, many years, but it's, it's always been pushed right down to the sort of stress and somatoform and anxiety type of conditions. Yeah. And so it just gets into sort of into the basket um, yeah. and nobody really, really, um, you know, has ever stood up and actually said, hang on, what's going on here? Yeah. So how did you find it? How did you, what did you discover or what work did you have to do to let go of the pain? Well, let me just, I think, I think the good thing, the, a good thing might be first explain what neuroplastic pain Yeah, is. that is, that, okay. that would be a great so thing. What, so what most people don't realise is that we do not have pain receptors in our body. You don't have, there are no pain receptors in your fingers or your toes, except there are no such thing as pain receptors. Wow. Okay. All pain. And, 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 and people, most people don't know this. No, I don't know this. So for example, if you cut yourself with a knife. Yeah. The receptors in your finger sense pressure, etc. And they send a message straight to your brain. Your brain then sees the finger bleeding and sends a pain signal straight down to your fingers. You've got to do something about this. Yeah. So then you put a bandage on it. You go and have stitches put in, et cetera. And then the minute the brain feels that it's safe and that you've dealt with the problem, the pain goes away. Okay. And the best example I can give you, think about somebody that is, on a, is, is skiing down a slope and, 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 and fractures their femur, okay? The big bone in the top of their leg. Yeah. Imagine yeah. how painful that is. Okay, so they come and they and they sort it out and the person ends up going into surgery and they have a pin put in, etc. Has anyone ever thought that once that pin's in place, once the uh, cast is on their leg, the bone inside is still completely shattered, but there's no more pain. And the reason for it is because the brain has decided it's now safe again. We don't need to send the pain signal down anymore. Okay. Okay. So pain is purely 
pain is a way of, of the brain saying there's danger and we need to protect you. That is the purpose of pain. But there are no pain receptors. So if you put your hand on finger onto hot stove, it's the pressure and the burning that, that your brain then sends a message. Or if you drop something on your toe, okay, you so you, you will do whatever you need to do to protect yourself and make you safe. The minute the brain feels safe, it stops the pain. Okay. Wow. So now with neuroplastic pain, it's a false alarm. Okay. The brain, with, yeah. the brain is actually creating a false alarm. Okay. It's a symptom of mind-body illness, which in fact is a stress illness. Okay. okay. So there's nothing physically wrong with the body. All right. Yeah. But, but the, 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 the body and the brain, there's a disconnect. Okay. And the brain's alarm system sends a message down to whatever part of the body. And bear in mind, this is not just for pain. This is for all medically unexplained symptoms, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, IBS. Um, IBS um, th there is a list. So anything, anything that is medically unexplained and they have had all the investigations done by the doctors and they can't find anything wrong. Right. Or if there has been an injury that it persists long past the healing time. Okay. Okay. So the normal healing time for anything, maximum six months. Yeah. So, you know, three to six months, anything will heal, a broken bone, even a, bul even, a, even a bulging disc, all of them will heal with it. Anything that persists longer than that, so, that's, neuro that's neuroplastic pain. So why is the brain continuing to send these false alarms when there is nothing well, really in essence? A simple way of, of thinking about it is you get locked into this pain-fear cycle. Okay. So you feel the pain and you, you, you're fearful of it. Understandably, you've got this terrible pain, but because you're sensing fear, because your brain's experiencing fear, it sends out more pain. So you are locked into that pain, pain, fear, pain cycle, and you can't get out of it. Right. That's basically what's happening. And then the physical pain or the physical symptoms that you're experiencing are actually an expression of emotional pain. Yeah. These are, this is repressed emotional pain that you have not dealt with. Okay. It's in your subconscious mind. So you're not aware of it. Your subconscious mind says, it's time to sort this out. Okay. And so it says, well, how am I going to get you to notice this? What, what, what can I do to get you to stand? What better thing to do than send you pain? Yeah. Everybody takes notice of pain. Okay. Yeah. But of course, now it can be anything. It can be it can be a chronic fatigue as well. But this is uh, all of these symptoms are, are a feature of repressed emotional pain. Now, this is where it's key because that repressed emotional pain could be serious trauma that you've had in your life that you've never dealt with, mm -hmm. or not. I mean, for my example, I had no trauma. Didn't you? No, I had no trauma in my life. I, for all intents and purposes, had, I grew up, uh, you know, I, I had a pretty, you know, yeah, I mean, you, and nobody's, nobody has a perfect family. Nobody has perfect parents. But I really had no trauma in my life that I could identify, okay? And so there, there, really, are, um, there really are four causes then of neuroplastic pain. Okay. Either a person has been traumatized in their childhood yeah. and they're not aware of it, okay? And that's obviously we will come to this, you know, that's really your, your, your field, or they might've had an injury that just never got better. Okay. Or they may actually have a very particular personality type that represses their emotions. They don't deal with their emotions. They, they people pleasers. They are the people that instead of, and that's me, I have the classic pain personality type of, of person. And when I look back now, the reason why I probably developed this pain was from all the years and years and years of just repressing my emotions and not actually dealing with my emotions at the time. But from a yeah. psychological perspective, I had no trauma in my life. Yeah, and, and you know, for some people, trauma wow. can be literally being bullied at school. It can be going to a very high achieving school where they felt out of their depth. It can be having an overbearing parent. You know, yeah. it can be trauma, but not in the way that we usually view trauma. Yeah. Um, and most people have had something of that go on in their life. Yeah. And, you know, for the brain, the brain's very good at remembering. So 
you know, it could be that somebody went through a very shameful experience as they viewed it as a child. As an adult, the brain then starts to view shame as dangerous. So yeah. when the brain experiences shame, rather than the person knowing this is shame and this is how I deal with it, the brain immediately sends the pain signal. Don't don't even think about oh, going yeah. for that yeah. shame. Let's not go there. That's dangerous. It's yeah. easier for the brain to send pain. Let me um, distract you from that emotion because it's too dangerous for us to go into that. And the person's preoccupied with the pain, they're no longer thinking about the shame or the, you know, whatever yeah. the emotion is. So very interesting. So it's almost right. Sorry, just coming back to what Laura was saying in terms of, and if we think now, because I mean, you know, I mean, you and I have had this conversation before about how there are many psychiatrists who don't recognize the whole concept of CPTSD, complex post-traumatic no, stress. No. Uh, I mean, we know now that this is all relational. It's all yeah. about relational stuff that's gone on in a person's life. And the, the relational stuff is the, the source of the trauma. It doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, the, the, the things that you would classically see in veterans with CPTSD, I mean, with, with PTSD, you know, all the stuff that you would see from the war veteran. This is different. CPTSD, I think, is far more insidious and, yeah. and 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 you know may present you know in in people who have actually been um uh you know uh, who've had significantly negative childhood experiences but the brain just didn't process them at the time and, yeah. so, and so they got repressed they got repressed almost into that into the subconscious mind and subconscious mind john sarno describes something which is called the reservoir of rage Oh, and the reservoir wow. of rage is it's it and doesn't have to be rage. It yeah. almost be the reservoir of guilt or shame or any of those emotions that we're not good at dealing with. Yeah. That reservoir, like a pressure cooker, it gets full and then the lid comes off the pressure cooker, and that's when the subconscious mind sends the message primarily to the amygdala. Okay. Yeah. We know that the amygdala is the fear center, and everything is 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 primed through the amygdala and so that's where it then sends the message and the message that it sends is pain you've you've got to deal with this but until you make the connection that it's actually repressed emotions that you have to deal with your pain will never get better no can i ask a question that just comes up for me is it do you think or both of you do you think is it easier to focus for a lot of people on physical pain or it to be manifest as physical pain rather than as emotional pain yeah definitely because a lot of people don't know how to focus on the emotional the emotional pain they don't know how to process their emotions a lot of people can't even identify often what the emotion that they're feeling is yeah so for them it's actually easier to just if you are in chronic pain it's very difficult to think about anything else anyway. It consumes you. It consumes every decision you make. So you are so preoccupied with yeah. that. You don't think about And if you did, even if you realized that it was your emotions that were driving this, where do you begin to figure that out? And that's really where we come in. Yeah. So where, I mean, brilliant segue, but where do people begin if they're in the similar situation or they identify with Wayne's story or, yeah. or yeah. They're, they're listening to this going, oh, that, that could be me, yeah, yeah. you know, well, where, I, where do they start? I think a great place to start is to read some of John Sarno's work. Yeah, because that's highly available. Um, it's cheap, get a book, read it. And for some people, like Wayne, that can be enough, you know, yeah. but there are other people that have a more complex um, issue or they just feel they need to work with somebody. They feel they want to speak to somebody on one on one. They really need that structure and that accountability. And then they come and they work with us. And my kind of role um, as a pain coach is that, as Wayne was saying, neuroplastic pain is essentially a habit that the brain has learned. Okay. So thankfully, just as the brain can learn pain, it can unlearn it too. So first of all, we have to find the root cause of the pain. There's no point just treating the symptoms. So we have to figure out why the brain is on high alert. And then we coach around that. So I use lots of tools and techniques, including pain reprocessing, which retrain the brain how to interpret signals from the body properly. Okay. So... so the person is seeing the pain through a lens of danger. 
And as I said earlier, danger, fear, pain, danger, fear, pain, how do you get out of that? So I teach my, my clients how to see the pain through a lens of safety and that in turn um, helps it to fade. Wow. So, yeah, so how we do that, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of different ways that we do that. Yeah, yeah. we do it through somatic work in the body and cognitive work in the mind. So actually managing the mind is such a big piece of this. So I show my clients a way to look at their lives in a completely new way and through a completely new lens, which expands their mind and it leads them to new ways of thinking. Because really the only thing that needs to change is actually the one thing that we have complete control over and that is how we think. Now, I show clients how to control their pain by controlling their th thinking, which sounds very simple and in many ways it is, but it's not easy to do. Yeah. Because in order to achieve that, you have to learn to really understand yourself fully. Suppressed emotions, as Wayne said, are seen as fear to the nervous system and the body responds with pain. So it's important for the person to learn how to feel their emotions. Um, and so I teach people not only how to feel their emotions, but also how to actually process them through. So, and I also show people how they can create the feelings that they want to feel on purpose. So essentially becoming pain-free is a skill and it's a skill that you can learn. Okay. There's a very important part uh, of this, though, and I'm just going to cut it back a bit. And that is that we need to look at the, the comorbidity between post-traumatic stress disorder and chronic pain and okay. say complex PTSD and chronic pain. Yeah. Now, in the same way as um, anybody that is suffering with, with, with pain in their body must always be seen by a medically qualified doctor to exclude that there is no organic cause for the pain. Like there, there must be and all those tests need to be done first and, and i mean there's lots of ways and lots of clues that suggest that it can be neuroplastic and that's a whole nother topic but they must always be seen by a doctor secondly if a person has got uh, ptsd okay and particularly the type of ptsd that you deal with they must be seen by a PTSD specialist first because yeah. the type of work that you do with people is that they are, you know, people who are experiencing severe flashbacks and actually have got very severe trauma in their life. And that must be properly processed by a specialist like you first. I think if somebody comes to us, that has severe PTSD, I would always say, I need you to see a, 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 a PTSD specialist first, okay? Yeah. And the reason for that is because there is a, the, the research shows that there's a very strong link between complex PTSD and chronic pain, okay? Right. The research actually shows that they are both, they, they, there's a close interdependence of symptoms and um, people who've got both, their pain is actually worse. Yeah. With complex PTSD and pain, their pain is worse than people just with chronic pain alone. Yeah. People just with chronic PTSD. And also need to make sure that the pain they're experiencing is not as a result of the trauma. So for example, you know, let's say they were sexually assaulted, et cetera, and they've got and they've got pain that actually might have an organic cause. That really does need to be excluded first. It may not be, but what I'm trying to say is that. You know, it's, it's, it's about making sure that the person has got the comorbidity treated properly because that could end up being quite a rate limiting step in terms yeah. of in terms of the work that, that Laura does, you know, with somebody. It might yeah. be this person, I, I feel a bit stuck and, and, and invariably it's because there's a comorbidity that has to be looked at. So yeah. um, I, we're very clear about that is that, you, you, that, that people's, you know, people must have their trauma um, to, for somebody like me who hasn't had trauma, okay, I'm then the ideal candidate for that because, you know, where yes. I can get, they can get to the place I need to get to quite quickly. Yes. But if somebody's very traumatized and has got yeah. a lot of stuff, they need to be seen by a specialist in that field like yourself first, yeah. okay? Yeah. And then it may well be that you actually are able to really treat their trauma very, very well. And then you could say, but, but the pain's not sorted out yet. And yeah. then... We need to look at this pain as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense because I think what I'm hearing is almost 
it's quite we're doing quite a similar job <laughs> in a way in that it's the mind body reconnect it's the reframing uh parts of us that are sending us signals maybe as intently there to help us rather than to harm us they're kind Absolutely. of protecting us yeah because that is the thing sometimes people will say to me why is the why is my brain doing this to me yeah exactly that your brain is protecting you your yeah. brain thinks it's doing you a huge favor here. yeah yeah and not only does it think it's doing a huge favor in protecting you and sending this constant signal, it's keeping you away from all of that stuff, which quite frankly is overwhelming to yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and also if it's something that happened to somebody when they were younger, the brain still thinks that you are that incapable child that you yes. know, didn't have your own agency and couldn't look after yourself the brain hasn't caught up with the fact that you're now an adult and you know so it yeah it's it's really interesting i think another real key part is is the work that laura does and she she did mention it earlier and you know i'd like her to expand a bit on that it's 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 not just about helping people um become pull free pain free back to exercising it really really is about actually getting them the whole the neuroplastic pain is is obviously a learned neural pathway in the brain okay? yeah which can be unlearned yeah any new habit that you form and we know this now from neuro from from neuroplastic change with the advent of imaging and the advent of um that it takes about three months to really learn a new habit we know this from people who play musical instruments or learn a new language or exercise etc and so that habit has to be you need to do it every single day yeah okay? so if you think about for example, some of the principles of CBT, et cetera. The problem is that once people uh, have done CBT and, and they've had the anxiety treat or the depression treat, they go back to their normal life, they don't use those exactly. techniques anymore. Yeah, but I often have people say to me, I just want to go back to how I was before. And I say, no, you absolutely don't want to go back to how you were. Yeah because the way that you were before the way you were living your life the way that you were thinking was the reason that you actually got this problem in the first place yeah so the, the great thing kind of the the uh, meta thing about this whole work is once people are not only pain free they're also able to be in the world in a much better way you know they can yeah. relate to themselves better they can relate to other people better they've dealt with the things like people pleasing and um, perfectionism the things that have actually um aided them be, uh, becoming pain uh, getting into pain i can't think what yeah, the word yeah, is yeah in the um, first place in the yeah. first place exactly yeah. so that is the thing it's like understanding that the way that you were before was actually part of the problem and if you think about if you think about that 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 neural path that's been learned that 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 pain path that's been learned okay so you're not only going to unlearn that path you've got to learn a new pathway yeah. but in in order to really solidify that new pathway you've got to bolt things on and learn yes. other new neural pathways so you almost go from an old habit single lane you're now going to build a new neural path almost like a super highway and yeah and so that you so that that so that doesn't become your default setting you're not going to go back to your default setting of your old ways of thinking so yeah. there's lots of techniques that we can that you do which you you add on and it's got to do with nutrition it's got to yeah. do with exercise it's got to do with all the positive things that create new neural pathways meditation where the way you breathe um what you eat all of it is connected because what you're doing there is you are creating um, a new neural pathway. And we know this from all the studies that are done on addiction, okay? Mm -hmm. Because addiction is in essence, a habit that is learned from a neural pathway that 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 that's that forges very very quickly and the reason for it is because we live in a dopamine driven world okay everything's about let's get the dopamine hit let's get the dopamine all addiction is a dopamine hit all that pathway gets forged very quickly pornography sex alcohol drugs food. food instagram social media all of these things can actually prove to be addictions and they learned very quickly because you're getting your dopamine satisfaction sugar is one of those i mean you know this yeah. in terms yeah. of so what you've got to do is you've not only got to unlearn those <clears throat> but you've got to actually 
form new neural pathways that wire together. There's a principle in things that says that neurons that fire together, wire together, wire together. you've got to yeah. get a new neural pathway and you've got to practice it and practice it and practice. So all of a sudden that becomes your, that becomes your new pathway. Okay, yeah. and once you get on that, then, then, then you can do anything in terms of that because the real key there is you're back in control. You're back yeah. in control of your thinking, you're back in control of the, and if you can control your thinking, then you control your emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. And I'm just thinking about the link between the neural pathways and the kind of mind body and what's cognitive and what's somatic and how much of this <clears throat> disconnection, because I, you know, you know, you know how I view addiction way in a bit like Gabor Mate you know it in a way it's a bit like pain mm -hmm. it's an attempt to disconnect and repress and shut off actually what's going on in the system not deal with your emotions yeah yeah so I wonder in the retraining of the neural pathways how much of the somatic how much of the work is staying with the pathway into the body and into the feeling and being with it and being okay with it. Yeah, exactly mm. that. That's, that's a key a, part of the processing. That's of a big part of, yeah. of the work it is the processing of emotion. And it is understanding, like you say, that most people avoid their emotions altogether or yeah. they react to them or they resist them but they don't allow them because they believe that it's dangerous to allow them you know if you have got a, um, a very powerful feeling of fear or shame or whatever that feeling is we know that that doesn't feel great no but we assume the you know this 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 should be avoided you know I, I need to get rid of this feeling i really need to get rid of it as quickly as possible when the truth is we need to move towards it we need yeah. to experience it and we need to understand that it's safe and we need to to send that message to the brain that i can feel this feeling i can have this emotion i can work through this emotion and I am safe. And interestingly, it's very similar to the somatic work that we do on pain. It's experiencing that pain, but through a lens of safety rather through a lens of danger. And it's showing the brain constantly, this pain is not dangerous. And I can experience this pain in a safe environment and I know how to do it. And I can keep reiterating the message to my brain that i am actually safe yeah that, that's exactly the work and we are and, and we yeah. and we in, and we in the western world are conditioned and taught from a very young age that there are certain emotions that are unacceptable to yeah. you're not allowed to show those emotions okay not at and, all. you know the way we talk to children the way we teach children about their emotions they, they are not, they are almost taught that there are certain emotions which they're not allowed to have. Yeah. And so what they do is they repress them, they repress them and they repress them. And that's, and that's where all the problem starts is, is that from a very, very young age, we are not taught how to feel, how to, uh, uh, you know, process our emotions. We're taught that there are certain emotions that are unacceptable to society. Yeah. And society keeps, um, perpetuating that message as well constantly yes. you know and instagram and all of the modern kind of things that we have show us that you know we should always be happy we should always be positive you know we should never be angry we should never be fearful don't be anxious and you know we lose sight of the fact that we as humans are meant to experience all of these emotions and they're yeah. not dangerous and because you feel angry that doesn't mean that you're going to walk over and punch somebody you can feel angry you can experience anger in your body and it'd be a very healthy experience yeah understanding that yeah I think, and, and one of the things as well is, is, is the sort of, uh, Laura can elaborate a little bit on sort of the 50-50 rule about life, okay, yeah. which is just... Yeah, the fact that, you know, we as human beings are not supposed to be happy all the time. That's not the goal. The goal of being a human is to feel, yes. and to experience. And in order to do that, we have to experience all of the emotions. And in life, we will always strike a balance of 50-50. No matter what the circumstances we find ourselves in, life will always be 50-50. 50% of the time, we will be experiencing what we deem to be negative emotions. And 50% of the time, we'll be experiencing positive emotions. And that is normal. But yeah. we have been conditioned in our society to believe that if we're experiencing any of the negative emotions, 
something's gone wrong. Yeah. Something has gone wrong. We don't accept nothing's gone wrong. This is just part of the deal. If you want to be a human living in this world, you are sometimes going to feel this emotion and that's okay. And the reason that that's okay is because it's safe. It's safe to feel every emotion. Yeah. Hmm. God, what a different world it would be if everybody could feel. I mean, how do we teach that? I know that we all teach it as a living and we all believe it and we all want to process and be with our emotions. And that's what I, I, I know you guys do and I do. But how do we teach that out there? It's how do really we? Hard. It's yeah. really hard because we're up against it with society and the way that the world's um, kind of set up. And I think that the sad thing is that people often don't find our work, yours and our work, until they're desperate, until yeah. things have gone wrong. And that's a shame. You know, it's a shame that we aren't taught this at school. That would yeah. be where we should learn it as yeah. children. Uh, but we don't. We don't. And as Wayne said, if anything, we're taught don't go there avoid it yeah and i think we we you know if you think about if you think about western medicine there is no such thing in western medicine anymore as a preventative model model okay mm. it's all a, it's all a chronic disease model okay yeah. like once you've got the problem how do we try and sort it out the or pro- manage it the not gra- even sort yeah, it out so, the, but yeah. the, the greatest health burden at the moment worldwide by far is chronic pain and medically unexplained symptoms. It's, it's yeah. responsible for the opioid crisis in Australia, responsible for the opioid crisis in, 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 in America, where there, there are millions of people that are, have neuroplastic pain that are addicted to opiates. Yeah. And, 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 they, and, and there's, no, there's no hope in sight for them until it can actually be recognized, actually, this is neuroplastic pain and we can get you off opiates and you, you can actually come off this medication, Absolutely. not not all at once. Of course, that needs to be supervised by a yeah. professional, but it's, it's, a, it's an enormous, enormous problem worldwide. But also without getting too political, there's no real money in teaching people to meditate and to, to feel their emotions, etc., where there's a lot of money, obviously, to be made in pain medication. Yeah. So you, you're always going to be fighting that mm. as well. And also in our society where we kind of want instantaneous um, results, whenever anybody has a pain, they don't necessarily think, let me go within, let me, you know, they go straight to the doctor and say, can you give me a pill? I just want to get rid of this. So we've been conditioned to kind of respond to that whenever we have a problem. Um, And the medical world, as Wayne said, although they do so much good, they are very willing to say, take this pill, take that pill, you know, rather than look at the bigger picture. So Mm, that's difficult as well. It's a similar mission, really, I think, to, to where I'm at in that, you know, I might call call it trauma and, and it comes out sometimes of trauma, but trauma and chronic pain, if we took that as a kind of worldwide issue, everybody needs to be trained in it. And, and you know, Wayne, you know that I say you're one of the only psychiatrists I know that does that whole integration of mind and body, you know, but 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 you're there are lots of psychiatrists out there that aren't like you and lots of GPs and lots of other health practitioners. Yeah, I mean, I think that unfortunately that is the case, but I do think that, you know, and, and this for me is a real key part of it is that um, the more people can start recognizing this real mind-body connection and and recognizing that the the problem that we have is that um, Western medicine and specialists are so organ-focused that if you go to them with a symptom, they they want to help you and they want to get you better. And so they will they they will go and look at they have to find a cause. They're not happy with no cause. But of course a lot of the times they're it ends up being a medically unexplained symptom or yeah. you know, and ends up in this whole chronic model of people who are the, the disability and then the amount of time spent of work and heart completely ruins their lives um, because that rec- and of course what the uh, the biggest irony is what what specialists and doctors end up saying is they put them into that basket of it's all in your head yeah which of course it actually is yeah ironically yeah Yeah. well partly in your head but partly in your body yeah i just say and 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 i think this is where i think this is where the 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 psychiatric world 
has always gone with the, the, the premise that anybody that um, uh, suffers with any sort of somatoform disorder. Yeah. And, and neuroplastic pain is actually somatoform pain. It's chronic somatoform pain. Yeah. That, that there has to be something psychologically wrong with the person. Because yeah. they also put it into the same category as somatization disorder, factitious disorder, malingering, yeah. all of those yeah. conditions. So and, negative. And, 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 and the premise there is that people are intentionally creating these symptoms because they're looking for attention. Okay. When the irony is, your brain is trying to tell you there's a problem that you need to deal with. And so it's yeah. intentionally giving you a symptom so that you can, so that you can address it. But you know, the issue is, and the problem is that if you go and see a specialist with a pain in your foot, or if you go and see a specialist with a pain in your shoulder or burning mouth syndrome, or one of these kind of strange things, nobody's going to say, oh, you've got a pain in your foot because of stress or repressed emotions, which is actually the truth. But there's yes. just that connection just isn't made. As Wayne said, the person that the doctor is going to try and find what is wrong with this foot. Let me look at this foot. We'll do so many investigations into this foot or whatever part of the body it is. And it does seem for a lot of people a stretch. People can accept things like I've got a stomach ulcer because I'm stressed. People can make that connection, which is exactly the same neuroplastic process. Oh, yeah. IBSP, you know, there are some things that people can accept as stress. Headaches, people can say it's a stress headache and they accept that. But if you've got a pain in your toe or something that, that's, or cystitis, you know, something yeah. that, and there's no um, medical reason for it, people don't always make that connection. And it can be a stretch and sometimes... For the actual medical profession professional, they can be like, no, you know, if they're not trained in it. And of course, they've created organizations that um, that have a whole lot of criteria. So, for example, fibromyalgia, okay, chronic fatigue syndrome. There are there are now organizations who say this is a recognized condition, but that what they don't actually say is, okay, well, how do you get better from it? Yeah. And so these people, you know, people with fibromyalgia suffer for, often for their whole lives yeah. without any real well, they're given a life yeah, sentence. they're given a life sentence because they're given the diagnosis of fibromyalgia or something like chronic fatigue syndrome yeah. which in which are all of these actually all of these syndromes are actually end up being almost these medically unexplained symptoms that fall into the mind body um, realm and mind body connection and these are these are stress illnesses. Yeah. Okay? And I mean, I, I reiterate again, always, 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 we need to always make sure that we exclude uh, Any, physical yeah. conditions because there are some physical conditions which just, they are not neuroplastic pain. Yeah. And you know, certain, certain, uh, certain pain conditions, any pain that's caused by an organic cause, you know, a structural cause. I would say on the whole, would you agree, Wayne, that the people that find us have usually had every investigation um, by every kind of specialist you know they're at the end of the line and they yeah. kind of come to us and they're like I just don't know what do you think could it yeah. be mm. yeah. and and you know the, the, of course there are there are lots and lots and lots of different uh, symptoms that can be neuroplastic but the commonest ones by far back pain yeah and back pain of course is the real curveball because of what they see on an MRI scan yeah and the other one is pelvic pain in women yeah okay oh, wow. pelvic okay. pain in women uh, for which there's no uh, explanation okay and they might have gone down the endometriosis um line they might have gone down, and and actually and and actually it, it ends up being that they have no medical cause that and that includes the interstitial cystitis and vulvodynia and and all of the um conditions that that in fact um, um, are, are neuroplastic and that there's no organic cause for it. If you've got an organic cause for pain, it's yeah. there all the time. Yeah. It's there all the time because there's an organic cause for that yeah. pain. Yeah. So until that, until that organic cause heals. And actually, it'd be useful to talk to that about how neuroplastic pain presents in terms of it coming and going. That yeah, and that's the whole yeah. thing. The, 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 the key really is we know what the healing times are for almost every condition. Okay, then you have this whole group of people where that doesn't fit. It's gone past the healing time. Okay, 
it, it may well be that it is not symmetrical pain. It moves around the body. Okay. It's, very often, it's very often related to, to times when they are stressed or something yeah. that's going on in their lives. Uh, it doesn't respond to any intervention. Medication doesn't help. There might be a slight placebo effect with an intervention. You might get temporary relief uh, from it, but it's typically uh, the type of things that 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 you know that can often be asymmetrical or can be symmetrical. They move around. Yeah. They don't fit. They don't fit a pattern of what you would expect something to be if it was organic. Yeah. So, right. for example, something as random as having pain in your ankle, um, and then somebody says, "Well, I, I've actually got pain in both of my ankles in exactly the same place." You know, why would that happen structurally? You know, yeah. that's very odd. Mm. And then they'll say, um, but some days it actually moves to my knee and then it moves back to my ankle. Or sometimes it moves to my shoulder, somewhere completely, you know. Different. Or even things like I have this pain, but I only get it at lunchtime. Or I only get it when a particular TV program comes on. Literally, people will say that when um, I, I had one client, whenever there was any kind of... Um, argument or um aggress aggression on a tv program that it would trigger their pain wow i wonder what memories that was triggering exactly. for them we had, one, exactly. we had we had one client that had taken his um son to to a doctor because um he he had some um he had developed some 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 breast tissue and the doctor had actually said to him we think that this, we have to do all the tests, but we think this could possibly be breast cancer because men can get breast cancer. Wow. And the minute, the minute the father heard that his arm went paralyzed. Yeah. And, and remained so until he got on, his son got an all clear uh, diagnosis and his, his arm was fine again. Yeah. Crikey. Yeah. Well, the, the do is incredible yeah yeah i know what it wasn't it freud that you mentioned earlier did say the body is the unconscious mind exactly exactly yeah. and, and and i mean freud you know freud i mean he 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 got he got bad press for things you know yeah. and we all know and we all know about that and but but when you actually look at all the the the, the sort of real positive work and he he spoke about this you know without having any investigations available without having any imaging available yeah um you know and you know john sauna also at that stage didn't really really have the imaging available that could show neuroplastic change it wasn't until really um fairly recently with the advent of of of, of you know functional imaging and with the the changes in epigenetics and with all yeah. you know quantum physics all of these groundbreaking things that all of a sudden what we recognize is that our brains aren't actually hardwired what you know you're not just born with hardwiring then in fact our brains are very dynamic yeah and undergo neuroplastic change all the time yeah in a negative way so addiction neuroplastic pain these are all the negative sides of neuroplastic change but the unlearning part and the positive side is that you can also create neuroplastic change in a positive cycle as well yeah. but it has to be practiced day in day out day and then the, and the minute that 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 new neural pathway is formed that's when you know all of those symptoms uh, resolve yeah yeah can i just ask one last question how much of it is the somatic release or the somatic processing of that that repressed emotion and how does it come up when you see it with clients? How does it come I mean, up, Wayne, for you? You know, it's, it's different for different clients. And I think is what you need, to do is you need to be aware of the fact that some people, for example, it might, might be difficult to do somatic uh, work with because they might not actually you know, be in pain at the time that you're trying to do it. I guess yeah, you know. yeah. I, that's that's it's an interesting question because I had one um, lady that I was working with who had pelvic pain and she was an older lady and she'd had this pain for 50, like, years. 50 years. But whenever oh, she came to our her. sessions, I know, whenever she came to our sessions, she felt so safe and found the session so cathartic that the pain actually wasn't there. Yeah. So to do the somatic work on her body was very difficult. Yeah. But what we did with that lady was we actually taught her the skill of how to do it so that when she did feel the pain, she could do it. But we were able to work on her uh, cognitively. 
and she was able to evoke emotions somatically so we could work with them yeah so yeah each each person is different and i is think it? as well i mean often people because people will say okay well how i've got these repressed emotions how do i get to them okay now of course in the type of work that you do you know you will you will access you know as you always said to me when you when you when you're treating your clients with 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 uh uh, with chronic trauma it's like peeling the layers of an onion mm. okay and and, yeah. and that's exactly what you do we have techniques as well that people can work on themselves where they can actually access those repressed emotions in a way that they don't actually need to deal with them and examine them and explore them because if they are that traumatic they should be seen by a, a trauma specialist but if yeah. they're not then actually what they're doing is they're able to bring those emotions from their subconscious mind into their conscious mind okay? yeah. and, and, and then actually feel it and sit with that emotion and say, well, actually these emotions are okay. And so in a way they're almost purging themselves of those repressed emotions in a way that they can do through, through, through various processes that we teach them. Yeah. Lovely. 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 That reminds me of lots of, yeah processes of just going into the body and staying with it and allowing it to to come up yeah and and i suppose juliet one of our our members made a comment about there being a safe other person for some people because some yeah. people mm. you know as soon as they're around like this lady with the pelvic pain a safe regulated nervous system yeah. you know they come out of sympathetic and their cortisol mm. and adrenaline firing and they can come in can't they a bit more Absolutely. to their adult Absolutely. yeah and that's why people are so you everyone's everyone is unique and yeah. it's, about, it's about understanding um, why their fear center is on hypervigilant mode. And if you can, you know, and, and if you can just move their fear center out of hypervigilant mode, and it may actually be that, so for example, in my case, right, it may actually just be to recognize that in fact, being a people pleaser and being highly conscientious and being highly self-critical and being all of these things and putting the needs of others before myself, that in fact, I wasn't serving myself very well yeah. in, in that respect. And so, you know, I was repressing a lot of the, and it can be something just as simple as that. And yeah. so it's about yeah. recognizing that and then think other people have might then there's a whole lot of other stuff they need to do as well. And so this is the journey that, you know, Laura and I have been on, uh, you know, over years now and, um, and realized that, you know, because we, we've looked at all, we, we looked at every single, um, you know, pain program, yeah okay. i bet i saw so exactly what everybody was doing and thought hang on but they're not doing this hang on they're not doing this hang on we need to we, we need to see you know because you're always going to be faced with people well that's not going to work maybe pain reprocessing doesn't work maybe um somatic tracking's not working maybe yeah or not. and what do you do then okay and that's where i think the real key is about the thought work. The thought work is absolutely crucial yeah, in this yeah. process, and um, and and a lot of a lot of programs don't really focus that on and that, I, and that's absolutely it's crucial. Key, but I think also, just lastly, because I know we're running out of time, I think what's really unique about about our work together is the fact that you have got a mind body doctor specialist, and myself as a pain coach. So the person's able to work with us on a one-to-one -one basis. Yeah. You know, that, that on its own is unique. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as well, I think people, um, people feeling that they also are in safe medical hands makes a big, yeah. big difference. And yeah. I think that that is to some extent something that we really realize is that when it comes to pain, people want to, they, they do sort of want to hear from a doctor as well. Yeah. That pain is actually, um, you know, their the, the pain is not due to a structural cause, etc. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think that that is, I think that that's very reassuring, reassuring yeah. for people as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's that connection and that safety and that relationship and that mm. relational piece Trust. that we, we all need for healing, really, yeah. don't we? And also knowing that you've got to, you've got to really look at the comorbidity as well. So if, if we're going to see somebody and, and I think that they are very severely depressed, treat that first. Yeah. Somebody is very, very anxious and does require medication, we'll treat that first, okay? Yeah. So it's, it's very, very important to, to identify the comorbidity and see that the, sometimes it's gonna take some other techniques first to get the person 
to a place where their brain can even start to feel in the same way as when you and I work together, Lou, you will sometimes say to me, Wayne, you know, I, I'm, I'm right at the cusp here, but I, I, I need your help here in terms of just quieting the person's amygdala down, yeah. and getting, getting to feel a little bit safe. And, and then, of course, that's where we, you know, that's where we work together and, and get the person to the place where you can then safely work with them. So it's not yeah. similar in many ways. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, guys, where for you now? What what do you want? Where do you want to take this? What's the future looking like? And how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, well, through this work and through Wayne's work and my work independently, we decided to marry our skills and, you know, we created the pain recovery program. So that is what we're passionate about. That's what we wanted to kind of be able to get to as many people that are suffering and don't be... Um, trick by the name even though it is the pain recovery program we cover all the things that we've discussed so anything that's medically unexplained chronic fatigue syndrome also fibromyalgia ibs all of these things and the other things that people have that are odd and they just don't know why they have it so we have a website which is www.thepainrecoveryprogram.com Right. And on there, it's got our bios, all about the program, what we do, etc. And if people are interested and they would like to contact us just to see if they are a candidate for neuroplastic pain or to just ask any questions to find out anything else, they can reach us through the contact page on the website. All right. And we always, and I mean, our, our approach is always, you know, uh, we, we are very open to, to people contacting her through yeah. that page and just exploring you know could i have this condition we can have a chat let's have yeah. a chat yeah What's yeah what's going on we'll tell you whether we think that what you've got is neuroplastic and if we can help you for sure and um, and by the same token i mean if somebody we, we can assess through that as well is that if if we feel that somebody actually needs something else treated first then I'll identify that and say, I think you need to see, for example, yourself as a, as a, as a trauma specialist, yeah. or we might need to treat your depression or treat your anxiety, et cetera. Yeah. So that's a very important part of it as well, is that you know you've got the uh, not only the medical backup, but you've got a psychiatrist who, who understands the comorbidity. Yeah, which is huge. So I think that that's a real key part as well. So the person feels like they're in a, in a safe pair of hands. Yeah, I agree. Guys, thank you. It sounds amazing. Really good luck with it. I wish I'd known about it years ago before my mum had two back operations. Oh, no. Literally, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been perfect for her, bless her. But yeah, as yet, I can't get her on the EMDR couch either. So, <laughs> work in progress. Yeah, don't 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 work with your parents, maybe. No, yeah. probably not. Husband and wife was okay, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Thank you so much, thank both. You. Thank you so Lovely much for having me. us on, Liz. It's yeah. been a great, great conversation. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope it helped you in some way. And I really hope to see you back here soon. If you have anything to share on today's experience or podcast, please nip over to the YouTube channel or the Facebook group Trauma Thrivers and let us know there.